You are listening to True Crime Twins, a true crime podcast hosted by Chloe and Melina Cantor. True Crime Twins is produced by Crawlspace Media. Thanks for listening to True Crime Twins. I'm Chloe. And I'm Melina. Welcome back. And I just wanted to extend a quick thanks to the people who are very positive and always encourage us. And even the people that aren't very nice, I still appreciate you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. No, thank you so much. (laughs) We're having some strange times right now in the world, but we are always talking about strange times so hopefully this can be a little bit of a distraction anyway we are going to talk about the case of um, Vanessa Morales who disappeared three months ago after her mother was found murdered before that I want to provide some updates we like to talk about true crime news in the beginnings of our episodes and we had talked about two very odd cases involving moms and their children. We had talked about uh, the disappearance of Evelyn Boswell in Tennessee, a 15-month-old girl. Her 18-year-old mother had changed her story a few times. Since we had discussed that, unfortunately, the girl's remains were found on her grandfather's property. Now, he's the one that had originally reported her missing. Apparently, her toys and her diapers were dumped around her body and she was wearing what she was reported to have been last seen wearing when she went missing which was a few months ago so that's obviously extremely sad to hear about and read about do they have any developments about because i know there's many suspects like they suspect the mom they suspect the mom's mom like there's some sketchiness do they have any more developments other than her body being found No, no arrests have been made. I mean, at this point, all the public can really do is speculate. You know, people say that that killers will dispose of bodies in places that they feel comfortable. So the fact that she's at the grandfather's house kind of makes you think, okay, who's comfortable there? Probably a family member. It's the family members that are acting suspiciously. So it kind of adds up. And not necessarily the grandfather. Not necessarily, but possibly. No, it's, I mean, anything's possible. I don't. He's he's seemed genuinely concerned about Evelyn while everyone else just changed their story time and time again. First, the mother, Megan, said that the child was with her father, who was actually in active duty in the army. Then she said that the baby was with the mom. Then she said the baby was in uh, some trailer park, maybe like a drive away. Sounds super familiar. Yeah. What, what, what does it remind you of? Casey Anthony, I just finished reading Jose Baez's book, who was her attorney, and I really, really enjoyed it. I recommend it. What's the book called? Um, I just call it the Jose Baez book, but let me look in my books. It is called Presumed Guilty. Okay, so I have to read it. It sounds like you're giving it a wholehearted recommendation. Yeah, I finished it in one day. It's, wow. It certainly makes you think, because a lot of people think that this man was a sleazebag who, like, you know, defended a mom who killed her baby and made up all these atrocious things. But you hear it from a different perspective. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with everything and that he is just like telling the truth about everything. But it did make me think in a different perspective. So speaking of allegedly murderous moms, we also talked about another strange case 
where a mother was arrested in Hawaii after her children went missing in Idaho, wasn't it, right? Yes, Lori Vallow, I guess, Lori Vallow Daybell. She's, this is her fourth husband. They got married under very suspicious circumstances, like both of their spouses died. Right, between them, they have three dead spouses, all of whom died relatively young. So her children went missing. She moves to Hawaii, uh, gets extradited back, I think, under charges of desertion. Yeah. So the children are yet to be found. And what are some new developments in that case, Melina? So we see more photos of her other than her driver's license picture. And I don't know. She she looks rough. Like she looks like she's, you know, psychotic. She, she doesn't look well. She looks mentally ill. So we we've seen media reports that she was preparing for the end of the world. Yeah. And but to like a whole other level like she thinks that the second coming is is on its way this summer and i think that it's really bizarre that she's not saying where her kids are and even weirder the judge and two of her attorneys have recused themselves like haven't said a word about why they're just like we're done with her like that's unheard of yeah i don't really know how to explain that has she made any comments about her kids melina no, but she has some people in her life that are claiming things. Most recently, I read today that apparently Lori thought that her children were possessed zombies. So that's very concerning. She definitely sounds like she's having some mental health issues and that could have played a role in what happened to her children. I think that the fact that she saw them as zombies could play a role in her motive and potentially explain why they're no longer here. In the best case scenario, because so these kids, it's... um. Tylee and JJ. Tylee was um, 17. I, you know, this might just be like my high hopes, but maybe she was like, oh my God, my mom is crazy. And she just like ran away with a kid. But I don't think that's what happened. But I hope that's what happened. I, th- that's a nice scenario. I hope that she took the, the younger child and ran away. But it kind of seems like the mom got paranoid towards the children and yeah. turned on them, which is just horrible. But we'll be watching that closely. So, We're going to be covering in this episode the case of a missing child. It is one-year-old Vanessa Morales. She went missing from Ansonia, Connecticut. You've probably seen her Amber Alerts. Um, If you're anywhere in the Northeast area, there are billboards up in the Connecticut area, especially. Um, She's a one-year-old. I think she's, um, what, 17 months now at this point. She's been missing for three months, and she was two feet tall and 17 pounds. She is a white female with brown hair and brown eyes. The circumstances behind her disappearance are really, really scary. Yes. So this case started um, in early December when the boss of Christine Holloway, Christine was a young mother. I think she was actually maybe 43 years old at the time. So, you know, she's a woman. She works at a daycare and she brings her daughter, Vanessa Morales, to work with her. Her boss is concerned because neither show up to the daycare for the day. So she calls the police and asks them to do a welfare check. Yes, and Christine's family was also really concerned. And after the first welfare check was done, they didn't really find anything. They didn't make contact with her. They just saw that there was nothing, no sounds, no signs of distress from her house. There was fresh snow with no footprints. No one answered the door. 
so they just left so they kept at it because they were like there's something seriously wrong it's unlike christine to not show up to work and it's unlike her to not check in it's very very strange and where is baby vanessa right where are they so who is vanessa's father vanessa's father was christine's boyfriend jose morales jose actually didn't live with mother and daughter he lived with his parents in new haven he was 43 years old at the time of all of this they apparently met through like an online dating website they to all accounts were very much still together at the time of um all this happening of them not being nobody knowing where they are not being reachable their disappearance so the police come again do a second welfare check they see that there are windows open in the house and it's i think freezing temperatures so they find that disconcerting they force entry and find the dead body of christine holloway naked in her bathtub vanessa who was supposed to be with her mother is missing also missing are vanessa's car seat the comforter on her bed the diaper bag that christine would take with her pretty much everywhere whenever they would leave the home and a toy so what does that say that vanessa's gone and all these things are gone it sounds like maybe vanessa left alive because whoever i mean well first of all there was a lot of um blood and physical evidence you know showing that christine was murdered in that apartment uh her cause of death was blunt force trauma she was beaten to death badly yes she had many um bruises all over her face and i think a piece of her skull was missing which is really brutal yeah and they were able to you know do do a lot of forensic collection at the scene and they did not find any blood of vanessa and they you know see that these belongings that are relevant to her care are missing so it makes you think that she left that scene alive Mm -hmm. and that maybe someone intended to care for her after the fact but that's that's all speculation we don't know all we know is that there was no sign at the scene that vanessa was was hurt hurt. yeah and she's missing her mother is dead so this is all becoming quite dire so i guess the police want to talk to jose and see where he's at about this um he changed his story a lot about when the last time he saw them was he at first said that he last saw them that morning which was monday december 2nd 2019 when she left for work and then he quickly was like oh no actually we just talked on the phone i last saw them on Um, November 29th which was I believe Friday so he basically he was saying that he didn't see her all weekend the pattern of the couple was you know they lived separately but the typical pattern was that Christine and Vanessa were visited on the weekends by Jose and that he would stay from Friday afternoon until Monday morning so that was the pattern that's what everyone expected and that's also where Jose's parents understood him to be But he should have been there. But now he's saying, you know, I wasn't there. I was with my friend. Mm -hmm. Chloe just said that was a big surprise to Jose's parents who believed that he was at Christine's house. And his mom even said that he FaceTimed her from Christine's house. And he said, no, no, I just wanted you to think that I was at Christine's house because I didn't want you to know that I was partying. When he says partying, Jose admitted to investigators that he was using PCP, otherwise known as angel dust that weekend at his friend's house yeah so this friend is hector and i think the police were very skeptical at first they're like oh he like there's no hector but there was a hector and they did question him hector was kind of all over the place he was like i know why you're here let's just cut to the chase jose was here 
He claimed to not like know much about what was going on with the missing persons case, but the police found him kind of suspicious. And then he eventually admitted that Jose wasn't there all weekend, that he was sporadically there and that Jose did ask him to tell the police that he was there all weekend. They asked Jose to kind of go through the timeline of that weekend over and over again and things weren't adding up. He claimed that phone calls took place that didn't happen. Things were inconsistent. Hector admitted that Jose asked him to lie to investigators and say he was there the whole weekend. But what really happened was that I think he was visited by Jose on Friday and then again on Sunday. So there is that lapse. So why is Jose trying to account for his whereabouts during this time? Why is he lying? This is all very disconcerting to investigators. They also collected his clothing and found that he was forensically linked to the crime scene. He had tissue and blood of Christine in his sneakers on you know the bottom of his sneakers before um he was formally informed by the police that christine was dead like i think the police were trying to do that tactic of not letting him know that they discovered her body yet because they suspected him so they're trying to see what he would say he like significantly downplayed their relationship he said that he's not really boyfriend girlfriend with christine and that yeah sure vanessa's okay but his two other kids are his life and it's just like very odd things for him to be saying it's right. like he really said that, weird he said that his parents didn't care for christine that they weren't particularly attached to vanessa but when investigators asked his parents they said they loved christine and that vanessa was like their little angel so it's very inconsistent he's immediately trying to distance himself from these people and it's inconsistent from the accounts of other people he said, you know, she left with the baby. They, they quote him a lot in the arrest warrant. He's not even saying her by name. They at one point he said, you know, OK, let's find her after lots of prompting by investigators. There was no intrinsic motivation to genuine concern to search for his own daughter. And something that's weird is that throughout like the questioning and stuff before he was actually um, arrested and they formally made the confirmation of her death, he asked them if they were taking him to the mental hospital, which is very odd to me. It makes me wonder if he's had past hospitalizations. So if he's had like involvement with the police, they're probably like, this guy's wacky. Let's, you know, take him to the ER. And using PCP can create very odd and disconcerting behavior. And I think when a police officer is called to a scene and he's evaluating the person that's behaving in an unlawful way, one of the things that they do have to consider is that is that behavior reflective of an inability to care for self, you know, posing a risk to self or others. And if that's the case, they will take them to the hospital or, but not, you know, not straight to the mental hospital, but they'll take them to the emergency room for evaluation. So I think not everyone understands that process. I didn't understand it until I worked in the field, but someone that's been through that process as a patient might ask that. So, yeah, I, I agree with that assessment for sure. Also, slowly the police and his parents started noticing these injuries to his body like they noticed they had abrasions on both of his knuckles and that there was like a bruise on his face and they were like okay how did that happen and he didn't have an answer he didn't really even seem to be like trying very hard like he was denying doing anything wrong but he wasn't like you know passionately defending himself or his innocence he was kind of just like mm. like he was kind of i think acting like he was hoping that this was all gonna go away so when the police did actually come to the house and say christine is dead and vanessa is missing what happened jose was completely emotionless melina he was not reactive like you'd think he would be you know the mother of his baby has been murdered 
and his baby's unaccounted for, I think when you learn that the baby's mother has been murdered, there's some very concerning implications about what the status of the baby is. He's just calm and emotionless. His mother is hysterically crying. Uh, his father, or I think it's his stepfather, is very upset as well, but, you know, is focusing on trying to comfort his wife. And he says to Jose, look what you're doing to everyone. Look what you're doing to everyone. Mm-hmm. So I, they see through his behavior just as much as investigators do. I don't think, I think that statement is reflective on what the mindset of his stepfather was. Mm-hmm. Something that stuck out to me when I was reading about this was during this time when the police said, they, I think they pointed out that he wasn't reacting or had any emotion. He was like, what do you want me to do? He was like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, what what reaction would satisfy you? And that's just, like, very defensive and rude. And he eventually just, like, retreated downstairs to his room in the basement. He was like, I'm done talking. And just, like, left while his, like, poor parents are, like, hysterical. <laughs> like, what he should be acting like, right? Right. He was very uncooperative in that sense and in many others. He could not provide an explanation for a lot of things. Often when police would ask him direct questions, he just wouldn't answer. For instance, how did you get that bruise? No answer. Uh, when it was pointed out that he was ignoring information, he'd just either not answer or say something that didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. He honestly seems somewhat impaired. Yeah, I agree. He actually got searched um, after he went downstairs to his room. The police, they seized a bunch of clothes and towels that had blood on them, and they actually found a stun gun, and they were like, bingo, he's a convicted felon. So they're like, okay, like we can't really... Like, we're suspicious of him on this disappearance and murder, but we don't have proof. We don't have a warrant. But he's a convicted felon, and he has this that he's not supposed to have. So they took him in, and he's been in jail ever since. So Jose actually had an extensive criminal history, which made him a convicted felon, which made it so he couldn't do certain things without going back to jail. And his criminal history included carrying a pistol without a permit, narcotic sale, violation of a protective order, and domestic violence. There have been established written reports of police officers actually witnessing him behaving in an intimidating way towards women. There was an incident where he's walking down the street with a woman and he's grabbing her arm and he's hassling her and he won't let go of her even when a police officer had intervened. So he's kind of showing a pattern of domestic violence. Someone felt strongly enough about his pattern of behavior that they filed a restraining order against him. And, you know, he has this history of using PCP, which is a mind-altering substance that can cause psychotic behavior. If you ever meet anybody, like, friend or especially, like, a romantic relationship and they tell you that they have a protective order out against them, that's a huge red flag. Run away immediately. Because they'll try to be like, oh, yeah, that was a misunderstanding. (laughs) It's, yeah. No. It's serious. Yeah. So I take that pretty seriously. You're never in too deep. If someone says that, it's a really bad sign. It means that they really just don't respect the boundaries of the person that they're supposed to respect. So Christine's body was found on Monday, December 2nd. But on Sunday, December 1st, the morning before the early morning hours, the police received a 911 call from Christine's house. Yes, It lasted one minute and 14 seconds. It was from Jose Morales' cell phone number. During the 911 call, the male's voice, which was a little bit slurred, just kept repeating Myrtle Avenue, 
Myrtle Avenue. Was, right? Myrtle Avenue. Yes, that's um, that's where the residence was. Christine's house was six and a half Myrtle Avenue in Ansonia. The dispatcher kept repeatedly asking him, uh, what's the exact address? He wouldn't answer. The Connecticut State Forensic Lab enhanced the call and they were able to hear a female's voice in the background saying, stop, hang up. Who are you calling? That was probably Jose high off his ass. And then Christine was like, okay, like you're calling 911. Stop it. Yeah, she she probably walked in on him displaying that paranoid behavior. I think what he had told investigators later on was that he had seen people around the house and it made him suspicious. But to be unable to give dispatchers an exact address shows how impaired he was. And and to call 911 on yourself. Like what? He clearly thought he was in danger. Yeah, no, seriously. But was too confused to give specific information. And clearly his behavior was concerning to Christine, who said, stop, hang up. Who are you calling? So he's most likely high on PCP. And he's he is indeed at Christine's house that weekend. And the next day she's found dead. Officers attempted to make contact with the caller by calling back several times. Officers also checked Myrtle Ave and the surrounding area and found no signs of assistance needed. Something that was really bizarre and not the work of a criminal mastermind was that two days after Christine's body was found, there was a lot of evidence dropped off in donation bins at a church in a nearby town. And it had bloody clothes that had Christine's DNA and blood and tissue and even had like paperwork that had Christine's name on it. And it had one pink croc and the other pink croc was found at the crime scene. It was like a baby croc. So it was one of Vanessa's shoes. So the killer like just took all the evidence and just like threw it in a donation bin. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, instead of actually get getting rid of it, throwing it away and like nobody would have ever found any of it. Right. Put it in a garbage bag and put it in a dumpster. Why are you putting it in a donation bin where people are certain to go through it because if you know it's you know kid education it's 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 intended to go to other kids so they're going through items including a boppy infant lounger a diaper genie pail clothes toys and there's skin and hair and blood on them yeah it's it's reflective of a disorganized criminal one that's not in their right mind uh not a rational offender right And this just added to the mountain of physical evidence against Jose. They found that the sneakers he was wearing had, it's awful, but tissue, not like blood or hair, tissue of Christine's on like the heel of the shoe. And her body was found, like his hair was like in her hands. And it's just a mountain of physical evidence. And not only that, but CCTV caught Jose, um leaving Christine's house at like 6 a.m. on on that Sunday when he called to the donation bins and making a bunch of different, you know, stops. And witnesses saw him the morning of Monday, like walking to and from his car. And one person saw Vanessa standing on the sidewalk while he was messing with a car seat. So, you know, he gives away most of her belongings, but not the car seat, not the diaper bag right so you know he he just kept like the bare minimum so does that mean she's being cared for by someone else who who knows yeah 
I, I really hope that she's still alive, though. The case is so sad. It's it's awful. Um, I, I hope she's alive, too. And Sonia police, they have publicly said that they also think that she's alive. And Christine's family firmly believes that Vanessa's alive. So um, I I respect that. And, and I think, you know, Jose has not been tried for the murder of Christine yet. He's been charged. I think physical evidence has clearly linked him to the crime. Yes. If Jose intended to also harm Vanessa that day, I, I don't know why he would have taken items necessary for her care. Right. And it kind of seems like maybe Vanessa was the reason for the murder because you know that her mom wouldn't have allowed anybody to take her away. So you're saying that you think he wanted Vanessa and that's why he killed Christine? Possibly. But he doesn't have Vanessa. But he, I think he knows where she is. I don't understand. Why, if Christine was alive, he'd be able to spend more time with Vanessa. Because if, if he took Vanessa, now she's in hiding. Even if he never got arrested, he still wouldn't be able to see her that much, right? I think that for whatever reason why he wanted Vanessa, that Christine wouldn't have been okay with it. I don't know if he had like a girlfriend or something that wanted a baby. Like I've heard horrible stories about women wanting a baby of their own and, you know, stealing one or killing a pregnant woman and stealing their baby. It's just like, no, yeah, I've I've heard those stories too. And I mean, that's maybe he wanted uh, to start a new family. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't think he needed to kill Christine to do that. He could have just left her and had partial visitation of Vanessa. So if so, tell me what you think, Chloe. Yeah. Rather than just poke holes in what you think. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, I think that I have no idea. It's possible that there's someone in his life that was not immediately known to the people that are cooperating with the investigation so, you know, maybe there's someone out there that is caring for her that made an arrangement with Jose. I just don't know why investigators wouldn't have been able to figure that out yet. My first thought when I heard about this case was that she was under the care of relatives of his, but that kind of seems unlikely based off of how his parents reacted. No, I, I, I don't think, I don't you can think fake so. that. Like the, I don't know. Like, I know the police aren't always right with their judgments, but they seem to think that they were genuinely shocked and upset and had no idea and they wouldn't you know do this no i think they were very cooperative yeah throughout so there could be other people in jose's life that aren't known and during this time where a lot of states have you know stay at home orders and there's social distancing you're less likely to have a situation where someone sees a missing child out and about by chance and calls that in so um just another reason why this sucks. Yep. <laughs> just another reason. I hate I, this situation. I know. We were just talking about like every day you come up with another reason about why this situation is so bad. There's, there's another one. Missing children are less likely to be found because they're not out and about as often. Where people can see them. Another reason why this situation sucks. But like I said when we started, this is a distraction, even if it's not something super positive. But if anything positive comes out of this more people know about vanessa i hope that the fact that there was an amber alert uh, i hope that the curiosity of the public was spiked and people looked into this and people are interested i feel very attached to vanessa i just really hope that someone out there is taking good care of her and that they 
find it in their heart to return her where she belongs, which is with the family of her mother, Christine. Right. So Jose still maintains his innocence and he changed his story again a few times. He claimed that he had absolutely no memory of that weekend at all, actually, because he was so high on PCP. But then he said that when he called 911, when he was all slurry and could barely form a sentence, he was calling because he saw men running towards the front door and then someone punched him. And then the next thing he remembers, he's driving home or something. So that's another story. He's incredibly inconsistent, which reflects dishonesty. Who knows what really happened? I just think that whatever happened to Vanessa, it couldn't have been an organized, premeditated plot. I mean, no, you're I've, you're right about that because based based on the way that he disposed so of evidence, he's he's so sloppy. But the thing is, she hasn't been found. So what happened? And and how has he done this without any trace? Right? How has she not been captured um, on surveillance? They caught his car and not her. There's just a witness that said that they saw her standing on the road with her. Did he dispose of the car seat and other things elsewhere? Did and they he kill her afterwards? I don't want to think that, but did, that's possible, right? There was uh, there's actually an active Amber Alert uh, out of Florida where a one-week-old baby was abducted by his father. The baby's name is Andrew Caballero. The baby's father killed the baby's mother what really grandmother and great grandmother yeah imagine that um the police find that scene of with the three dead women and the baby missing i think surveillance captured the father leaving with the one week old baby boy the car is found hundreds of miles away the father has killed himself in the woods no sign of the baby there's no car seat in the car so who knows what happened it's another situation like is someone out there caring for the baby or did the baby get murdered in another location along the way it's just baffling how there's multiple examples of this kind of act and i i think that usually if a baby goes missing they're missing for a reason they're missing because they're wanted alive right if somebody wants the baby so i'm really hoping that she's not dead oh my gosh i hope that with all with everything I, i really hope that she's still out there and i just i feel so sad for Christine's family. I just I can't imagine that sense of loss. They are so connected to this little girl. They miss their sister. I think she has. I think she's. Uh, I think she has four siblings. She's from a big family, and they're very active on social media and, and trying to get, you know, the the story out there in hopes that Vanessa will be returned to them someday. I think that it's just really heartbreaking because apparently, you know. Um, Christine was 43 and her baby was one years old. So she had her when she was 42, which is, you know, on the older side. And apparently she always wanted a baby and like she finally got her. That's what Jose's mom said, that she'd always wanted a baby and she couldn't even enjoy it. I mean, I'm sure she enjoyed some of it, but that it's just she didn't get it's unfair. En- it's not fair at all. She didn't get enough time with her little baby. Um, Vanessa's a beautiful little girl. Seeing the pictures of the two of them together just breaks my heart. Um, this just a, a mother being taken away from her child is just a horrible thing to think about. I wanted to get your opinion on something. Um, I think the police were quite strategic in this case when it came to questioning Jose. Um, he certainly was quite reluctant with questions, so I think they had to find little ways to, you know, get him to talk. And when he was in custody, 
the police said to him that Christine's killer may have put her body in the bathtub with the intention to dismember her and maybe they ran out of time. And Jose's reaction was quite interesting. He got tearful and he said, maybe the killer did that so they could change her into clean clothes so that she would not look awful covered in blood. And he also said that whoever killed Christine has Vanessa. What do you think of that? What, like, <laughs> what, what, do you, what, what do you think of that reply to that statement? It, he's showing empathy with the killer. It, it reminds me of Robert Durst in The Jinx when he made the statement about the note. He was presented with a note in a case where he was suspected of killing someone. And he said, it's a note that only the killer could have written and then it's later determined that he wrote the note so when someone that's being interviewed makes a statement like that with like with such certainty like oh whoever killed like him saying whoever killed her has vanessa it just reminds me of that statement i find it very interesting that tactic of having a suspected killer going into the killer's shoes it's like what would they what would they have done you know it's very interesting because it's like is that what you did Right. It's I, th- I think it's a it's a way to appeal to someone that has disassociated with what they've done. And that can be because one, they were high on a substance and regret what they've done and otherwise wouldn't have done what they did. And I think that could definitely be the case and probably is the case with this. I think he was definitely under the influence of PCP, which made him paranoid and it can also make you violent, violent and hallucinate and yep. paranoid and um depersonalize it's i think that played a role so he in that moment you know maybe he doesn't have a complete recollection of what transpired that weekend but i think he got emotional at that question because he was thinking about why he might have done that why why he might have stripped her naked and that's you know probably why he did it because he didn't like seeing her all bloody like you know maybe he had a moment of clarity after he had killed her in you know, felt deep regret and couldn't believe what he had done and then took Vanessa away. So it seems like that you think that this was second degree murder, that maybe it wasn't planned, that it was like a rageful thing. Yep. And then all of a sudden he was like, oh, okay, like now what? That's exactly my theory. I think that he was having a, a terrible high on PCP and got very paranoid and violent towards Christine and m- might not fully remember it, probably regrets it. But I don't think that it was premeditated. I think that he completely lashed out. I think it was second degree hot-blooded. Yeah. And now he has the famed attorney of Connecticut that represents all the scumbags. His name is Norm Pattis. We hate this guy. And uh, he's a smug mother. And I don't want to say that about someone that I don't know. And I also understand that lawyers are just doing their job. Like Jose Bias. (laughs) Right. And I don't want to go into too much detail, but I have been in the role of victim in the criminal justice system. And I've been in the position of being cross-examined by the lawyer representing the person that wronged me. And treating you like you're a criminal. Yeah, treating me because, you know, in defending their defendant, they have to, you know, present doubt and they have to make you look less credible. They might want to make you look like a liar. So they're asking you questions. And I just remember after that experience, my first thought was, God, that lawyer was such an asshole. Yeah. Like, I was so mad and I felt so disrespected by the lawyer. But, you know, in the back of my head, it's like, this is his job. Yeah. He 
his job is to defend his client at all costs like so i really do have even though i have like this personal charged kind of experience i still respect it and i still give defense attorneys the benefit of the doubt as much as i can i respect it too because norm sucks he is a scumbag like he's literally the, he loves the cameras he's the criminal defense attorney equivalent for like an ambulance chaser for like those civil attorneys oh my god he's just it's he, he's like he's like mickey sherman with the michael skagel case he's all about the spotlight he literally in the you know jennifer dulos case in new canaan which we've you know talked, talked about. about a lot in our true crime news but um you know he's defending this person accused of murder the body hasn't been found so what he says to the media is that it's a that it's she staged her own death in a gone girl plot like <laughs> now the author of gone girl i think what was her name um jillian gillian flynn yeah something like that yeah she says i she makes some statement basically saying it's like how dare um, you how dare you like use this as a defense strategy it's completely ridiculous it's fiction and norm pattis's response is be gone girl <laughs> like you are such a asshole and the thing about defense attorneys is that they do something that most of us are not capable of which is you know reminding themselves that we have this law system for a reason and that this person is not found guilty yet so you know we're talking about him like he's a killer he's a killer he's a killer and there's a lot of evidence but he hasn't been convicted yet and i think that that's the whole point of having a defense attorney is to remind people of that but i don't know so he has this guy, and I'm pretty sure that Norm Pattis knows where Vanessa is. Right. We were talking about this. You know, a strategy of defense attorneys is, you know, in their interviewing of their client, they want to earn their trust. And you see that there's often like a chummy relationship between client and attorney. They, like him with freaking Fotis Dulos. It was gross. Yeah, like they, they, they were like they BFFs. Hug, they're, yeah. Yeah, they, they're affectionate, like their body language. Like they get close. And I think they try to earn the trust of their clients to get as much information as the they can. Before so they, the other side does. Right. So that they can do their investigation and uh, spin it in the best way uh, for their client. So I think earning someone's trust and you know we've talked about fotis he's not the most clever i think he's i think he could have gotten information about uh where his wife's whereabouts were and now in this case with jose morales jose is even less bright than fotis dulos i think he certainly could have told his lawyer where his little girl is and i mean i understand client attorney privilege but he has to if, if he knows where she is doesn't he have to tell i don't know i think that it's I think that the that privilege, the client attorney privilege, I feel like they could say anything and they literally could just keep it a secret. I don't think that there's any obligation. It's not like if you tell a doctor something, they have to report it. So there's so there's absolutely no there's there's no loophole. I think he was a good person. It's absolutely <laughs> if he was a good person, he might submit an, an anonymous tip. Yeah, and or move find on. a way or like, you know, and I don't to know. save the child and, and help Christine's family. But you're probably right. I don't think he's legally compelled He's not like a mandatory reporter. <laughs> no, that's not that's not why he's doing this. He's he's not doing this to find Vanessa. He's doing this to defend Jose. If he knows if he knows where she is, I don't know how he can sleep at night. Same with Jose. How does he sleep at night? I yeah. My we, my heart. We think he knows he he definitely knows where she is, right? Oh, th- there's no doubt. Like we can have He knows what happened to her. We can have different theories about, you know, if she's alive where she is, um, you know, whether or not she's alive, but I don't think there's any question about who's responsible 
right. all, all of the evidence. It's um, overwhelming. You know, for, you know, from Jose's own mouth, from the physical evidence connects him to this. He just needs, you know, I don't know if he is having memory lapses, but he needs to be forthcoming and be cooperative. And yeah, it's just disturbing to think that, you know, that he knows what happened to Vanessa and isn't forthcoming, but it's more disturbing to think that multiple people know and even understanding attorney-client privilege, it's just oh, that that child needs to be returned to Christine's family. Yeah, um, I hope that the Ansonia Police Department are correct that she is alive. The FBI is offering $10,000 for her safe return and they have specifically stated many times that they don't care about how Vanessa came to be in whose ever custody that she's in. They just want her. They're not going to pursue whoever has her. You can, whoever has her, you can drop her off at any safe haven, any hospital, police department, fire department, anywhere. Just give her back. Their focus is on Vanessa. And I think that it's possible that whoever has Vanessa loves her. And or it's in their definition of what love is. And cares for her. And if that's the case, then they need to be able to understand that there are other people out there that really, really love and care for Vanessa. And Vanessa is their family. She belongs with them. She belongs with them. She belongs with the family of her mother. So whoever is out there who might have Vanessa, if, if, you, if you love Vanessa, you need to do what's right by Vanessa. And that's to return her to her family. Right. And if... Anybody knows who has Vanessa or has seen Vanessa, you can call 911 or 1 800 The Lost or 203 735 1885. That's the Ansonia Police Department. <laughs>